Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Good morning, our lines are open, 1850-333-103, and you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103, or email across the morning, jp at c103.ie. Ahead on the programme, we're going to have more uh, following our chat yesterday regarding the teachers who have voted for industrial action. This is the ASTI, uh, the Secondary School Teachers Union. They have voted on this in relation to COVID issue in schools and issues around COVID and classroom sizes. We'll be speaking with them this morning on that and why they have decided to vote for industrial action. Also, why wedding stylists should be considered essential workers during Level 5. That's an online petition after being set up by wedding stylists and we'll speak uh, to one person who specialises in hair uh, on the morning of the wedding whereby they go to the bride's house and they do up the bride obviously now for the wedding that for some can be a very important part of the wedding the morning of the wedding itself maybe uh, well for both sides the bride and groom but sometimes some would say more for the bride than the groom on the preparations beforehand for heading to the church or the hotel or wherever the wedding is taking place so discussing that this morning and we're going to hear a plea from one Cork County councillor and we've had so many calls on this over the last number of weeks at this stage and this is how in a number of urban areas and in a lot of towns here across Cork people late at night are hearing fireworks bangers uh, and other things going off late at night all to do of course with Halloween it happens every time of the year and even though we've moved on so much in technology and people are on phones and on tablets and playing uh, games online it's still going back when it comes to Halloween this happens every year that people are out setting off fireworks and bangers Uh, apart from scaring animals it is now 
having an effect on those who were living alone, the vulnerable, uh, the elderly in society who may be alone. With everything going on then with COVID and people not able to go out and some afraid to visit elderly parents because of those restrictions, uh, they're worried and they're appealing for people just to stop this carrying on in our society. Then when this happens, it can lead to antisocial behaviour. And we're hearing of eggs being thrown at cars while they're passing in various parts of the city suburbs and also in county towns. So while you're driving into your housing estate or driving down a road in a town, eggs being pelted at cars, being thrown at people's homes. And that's been happening only over the last week. Uh, So we'll hear why Councillor Ian Doyle has uh, gone in contact with the programme, just advising parents uh, to know where your children are and just overall to know the level of concern that is out there. He'll join us this morning from Charnival. And yesterday we heard about and, and calls into the show about the big red letters that spell out Mallow on the Annabella roundabout. A few have gone missing over the last week or so. Now we'd mix reports yesterday to this on, on the phones. We had people telling us they were missing for the last few weeks and then we had on Twitter councillors telling us they're only missing for the last week. Anyhow, they are missing. It's seemingly down to a car accident where they're going to, going to discuss when these letters will appear back. First of all, people want them back because they say for those travelling via Mallow looks bad but also what can be done with that roundabout a number of people uh, have an idea that with everything going on around us with Covid it's time to brighten things up a bit could they not do something with that roundabout for Christmas and if so now is the time to start discussing this not the week before Christmas they should be deciding now if they can go and do something with the roundabout obviously enough they can't do too much uh, to distract drivers on the roundabout but still uh, could they make it some bit brighter uh, for those at Christmas who are travelling around that area Uh, your views are welcome on that and where are the missing letters and will they be returned and also on the programme this morning we're going to hear about the Sunday Times the good university guide for 2021 that ranks universities and ITs in this country and we'll be uh, hearing about the latest movies out on streaming with Mark and he'll be reviewing the new Borat movie so that and more to come between now and one and your viewers are welcome Bernie and Sadie taking those calls 1850-333-103 or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 and already texts and calls in regarding what is happening in our schools and the reopening of schools uh, because we're well aware it's midterm but uh, there's more chaos for school principals as they get ready to open next week and this is due to the withdrawal of dozens more or hand sanitizers and other anti-COVID products because the board of management in schools and principals, they now have to spend the weekend looking around to get fresh supplies ahead of their return on Monday because the Department of Education has told principals to remove uh, the sanitization products that have been officially purchased and were on the purchase list for the education sector but now they've come back to say they're unsafe and they're not satisfactory to be used in schools. So now it means principals are off trying to find and source new uh, products so they can use them on Monday. But with all of that going on, on Taoiseach Micheál Martin has come out again yesterday and has stressed, despite all the rumours going around, that schools are going to reopen as normal next week and on Monday. So despite everything that's happening, uh, schools are going to reopen on Monday as normal. 1850 333 103. 
or text or WhatsApp 0862103103. Good morning to you, 1850-333-103. Lines open, text or WhatsApp 0862103103. And yesterday we were talking, we had a few calls in regarding Mass and Mass and Level 5 and people were unhappy and wanted to know, was there any change? And there's not. Masses still remain online. And I know yesterday we mentioned the Taoiseach, Michal Martin, did meet heads of churches in this country, but still uh, things are staying as they are and Mass will be remaining online. But in relation to that, a Kerry priest has come under fire because this has been reported this morning in the Irish Daily Mail and the Irish Examiner. And this priest, uh, he has come out and said that the spirit of the black and tans is still alive and well when highlighting his concerns with the new COVID-19 restrictions. Now, this is Father Garot Walsh, who is a parish priest in the parish of Ballymacgillish, and that's located between Castle Island and Tralee and Kerry, and not too far away from where we are here. But he made the comments in two separate masses live streamed on Facebook. Uh, the priest referenced the burning down of the Ballymacgillish Presbytery 100 years ago and he claimed from the altar that under new regulations services provided by the clergy are no longer classified as essential and are therefore limited to the 5k boundary in place. However, it's understood that priests and other ministers of religion are not subject to this 5k limit and Father Walsh, he made the comments despite he was was given advice from a local parishioner who's also a Fianna Fáil councillor that has Fanon Fitzgerald who said that priests can travel beyond the 5k limit uh, but Mr Fitzgerald said it was confusion uh, that led to his comments but he did not think uh, the reference to the Black and Tamas was helpful in the current pandemic. Uh, the Fianna Fáil councillor went on to say and someone in his parish said everybody is trying to uh, b- b- do what they can in this pandemic and that the government and everybody else is ensuring that people's health and safety is uh, here too but to compare these efforts to the Black and Tans uh, and the accounts and actions of the Black and Tans isn't fair uh, that came from Fanon Fitzgerald who's a Fianna Fáil councillor in Ballymac uh, Father Walsh later he, he did double down on his reference to the Black and Tans but he did continue to say that people must realise the significance of what he said the burning of the presbytery for the people of of this community in Ballymac Elliott that disrupted life nearly 100 years ago and nothing of its kind has disrupted worship since then and the first time that it has has been this uh, the global pandemic COVID-19 so mixed views on uh, the, the church is being closed and one particular priest there Father Gerard Walsh in Ballymac Elliott coming out even though he's doubled down on comparing what's happening to the Black and Tans he has uh, stressed the importance of worship in these times uh, and isn't happy of what has happened Happening, but still following those discussions on things, unless things will change yesterday on Teacher did meet with the churches and nothing is to change Mass will still remain online uh, but some people agreeing with Father Grode others feel it's wrong to be going that far especially when everybody is doing what they can in times of this pandemic any of your views are welcome on that and also some good news and this is research being carried out this comes from the Times in London and the when we're all driving along the road you'll, you'll be aware of roadside weed uh, that we usually drive past and take no notice of but after years of studying uh, this weed and it's known as mouse ear crest or thale crest this seemingly can stop the growth of breast cancer without damaging healthy cells it could help the development of chemotherapy treatments without having side effects 
effects that so many can have uh, following chemo. So some good news there on how roadside weed that we all take for granted uh, could actually have a benefit in dealing with breast cancer. And as we all know, it is uh, Halloween this weekend. We spoke there with Simon earlier on the breakfast show of what people are planning and what they are doing in their own homes uh, this Halloween. Well, it seems also a blue moon is expected to appear in the sky this Saturday night, lining up with Halloween for the first time in decades. The full moon uh, will appear on Saturday night and this hasn't happened in Ireland since 1955 and another one isn't expected again on the what is known as the spookiest night of the year until 2039. It's going to be the second full moon in this calendar month. That's why it's known as a blue moon. And Astrology Ireland, they are out, Astronomy Ireland, they want people to go out if you can and take photographs of that moon on Halloween night. So to make it even spookier, if the skies are clear, we'll have a full moon on Halloween night. And staying with Halloween, a UCC doctor, Dr. McSherry, Dr. Brian McSherry, he has come out and he has said that people should not leave bowls of sweets outside their doors this weekend as he feels it could result in the spread of COVID-19. He says there's no safe way for a child to go trick-or-treating for Halloween this year, even if face-to-face contact did not take place. So he strongly discourages people from bringing their child out trick-or-treating. And he also says, uh, and, and this has been said by Dr. Tony as well not to go trick-or-treating it's kind of common sense with everything going on at the moment but for those who are thinking of leaving uh, items outside their door or leaving sweets outside their neighbour's doors he's also advising against that because it could uh, have harmful effects uh, and indeed increased potential contacts uh, with the spread of COVID-19 and on that Catherine has emailed the programme and regarding Halloween she says if people are wondering what to do this weekend and a lot of the children are uh, hearing and watching TV and seeing programmes of trick-or-treating over the years obviously these are older programmes but they're asking what can they do well Catherine has an idea she's going to have a fun Halloween they're going to do traditional games in their homes such as bopping apples they're going to be eating the nuts you can pick up in any supermarket she says they'll be hunting for Halloween treats so there's a lot to be done she said for Halloween so you don't have to go down the route of trick-or-treating or or trying to explain all this you can do what we used to do years ago in our households all those old games we had uh, for Samhain so maybe if you have a few more ideas uh, the old games we all get up to such as the bobbing apple and uh, another one was an apple hanging from a string and he trying to bite the apple uh, not great for the teeth but it was a game uh, anything else that people have done over the years on Iha Sauna let us know 1850-333-103 or text or WhatsApp 86 we're going to speak though with the ASTI next on why they have voted for industrial action Record today on C103 text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 086-2103-103 the ASTI have voted for industrial action unless the government address a number of COVID-related issues in schools. Members of the union say they want schools to stay open during the pandemic, but their working environment has to be safe. Now, there's a mixed reaction on this regarding teachers voting uh, for industrial action. I'm going to chat to Anlock Nan from the ASTI in a moment, but here are some calls to us over the last 24 hours on this from both teachers and those who are not teachers. We are not looking for huge changes, but we are looking for an improvement, for example, in test and trace with regard to the students and ourselves. You know, personally, I'd rather be in my classroom and I, and I do not like remote teaching. I find it impossible. These people that are talking about this thing did not suffer any reduction in pay or pension contributions when schools were closed. Anne Lochnan of the STI joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Anne. 
Good morning, how are you? I'm fine, thanks. Now, your members have voted on this and what they want is a comprehensive testing programme with turnarounds of 24 hours. And I think a lot of people can understand from a, a teaching point of view, you're in there in a classroom situation with 20 or 30 in that classroom. And if someone is worried about going home to someone who may be high risk or just in general going home, uh, that you could be passing on COVID, there is a real concern there. Absolutely. And I really want to emphasise to you, I think you've made the point already, but I really want to reiterate it. This is about safety in schools and making schools safe in a way that is sustainable so that schools can carry on and stay open uh, right through this pandemic so that there are not issues arising which are causing crisis from time to time. We want standards to be put in place so that people will feel safe in schools and so that there will be a standardisation across all schools. There's huge confusion. Different things seem to happen in different areas. You talked about the contact tracing. Uh, 24 hours, we feel, is quite reasonable in the school setting in the sense that people need to know. They need to know whether somebody has the COVID or doesn't have the COVID. You know, it's causing great anxiety to people when they're waiting three or four days, as well as the danger for people who are then... um, the other systems don't kick in until the person is diagnosed as a positive case. So there's ample room there for more spreading during that long delay and that lag period. And we want this rectified and we want the system just to be faster and reacting in a better way to what is happening in all schools. We know that some cases are being confirmed after 24 hours but others are taking far longer and this needs to be sorted. Yeah and we're hearing from teachers and indeed parents who say that and and would like things to be sped up when it comes to getting test results for COVID but also outside of that is an issue with teachers and parents have a concern if there is a case in a school of COVID many teachers say they don't know what classroom it's in, uh, where it is in the school and they're fearful of picking it up likewise you have parents ringing us saying they're aware of a certain school has COVID that it's in that school but they don't know what class has it, uh, it whether their child could be affected by this and that is a worry and a lot of that goes back to the the, the slow uptake I suppose and the testing. It does and it goes back to uh, issues around uh, we've been told it's GDPR and lots of issues like that however health is a priority and as you know then what you've just outlined there is happening that's leading to further anxiety and you know in communities it's leading to rumour and it's just a, a downward spiral of problems after that people need to know there's also the case of where uh, Generally, it's accepted that 15 minutes exposure in close contact with a COVID case is um, makes you a close contact. In schools, that's not happening. In schools, there have been cases where teachers have been teaching usually 40 minutes, in most cases an hour, in the same environment, in very close proximity to students who have been diagnosed, yet they've been told afterwards when the case is confirmed that they are not a close contact. And this is very upsetting because people don't know. So what we're looking for really is we're looking for transparency, for information on on how all this is being carried out so that people can be comfortable in knowing what is going on. And what do you say to those now who feel in the current climate it's very unfair for you guys to talk about strikes considering so many people have lost their jobs, are are just hanging in with their jobs, are are finding it hard if they own their business to to make money. And what do you say to those who feel it's wrong of you to talk about a strike in this situation given we're in a pandemic? Well, what I would say first of all is that Strike has been the headline issue and I know that it grabs the media attention or grabs people's attention. However, I want to reassure people that is the absolute last option that we want to go for. If you read the actual um, wording, it is up to and including strike action. Now, we certainly 
in the ACI don't ever want to have to go on strike because of these issues. We feel they are resolvable. We want to engage with the DES. We want to make progress on them through negotiation and having them listen to our concerns and provide whatever needs to be provided, as well as the health authorities, to resolve these issues. I think we have a common purpose here. All the stakeholders want the schools to stay open. The department wants the schools to stay open. So let's work towards keeping them open in a safe way. That's what we're asking. And yesterday, as we discussed some of this yesterday on the show, uh, we had a lot of teachers overnight who did contact us uh, and they felt that it was wrong that they were still in a situation of large classroom sizes in a room of 20 or 30 and they feel no one else has been asked to go into work and sit in a large classroom with that amount of people in it at one time. But then on the other side of that, we had callers saying, well, look at the doctors, look at the nurses. They're in situations in hospitals dealing with COVID. They're underpaid. And also, uh, to mention people who are working in large supermarkets, they're daily facing crowds into that supermarket. So they're in a similar situation to what teachers are and they're not threatening strike action. Well, as I said to you, uh, strike action is not our priority. It absolutely is not. This certainly was part of uh, the wording of the ballot. But as I yeah. said... But, but you did threaten it. You, you have mentioned strike in that ballot. Yes, yes I, I, I totally concur with that. However, as I'm explaining to you, that is not our priority. And we totally value what all the other... I suppose frontline workers are doing through this. It's certainly, we don't want a situation of divide and conquer here, and we don't want any disruption to schools. We have observed since we returned to schools, you know, there's been the, the term, term since September to now, all of these issues are rising, and we've tried to get them resolved, and it hasn't happened. So we really need the department to take note of our serious concerns about this before the situation deteriorates. That's what we're asking. And if things aren't done, if they don't address the situations that your members are asking them to address from the Department of Education and from the government and things continue the way they are and that they keep bringing up various reasons for that and you do have no reason but to strike because of this. Many are ringing us saying that if teachers are, are, are saying that they can't go to school, it's not safe or, and they want to leave and go and strike, that they then, if they're not working, that they should go on the PUP as they are being forced out of work due to COVID. And some are saying the government may not have any more money to be paying teachers in full if schools are to close. Would you agree with that? You would have heard that earlier when I played that clip on callers we had overnight. I heard so I heard your clip there. And what I did hear quite a bit of was that teachers want to be in school. And I want to reiterate that we want to be in school. We want the schools to stay open. The very last thing we want is to go back to a situation like springtime. And of course, if things became seriously uh, worse in the COVID area, that might have to happen. However, it's the very last thing we want. We want to continue with our face-to-face contact with students. As most people know, that is the best form of education. It's best for the students. It's best for the teachers. The best teaching takes place in a classroom situation where there's communication, one-to-one, I suppose, um, uh, communication in understanding what's going on, understanding the needs of the students. However, I would say that all through the crisis since March, teachers have worked. Teachers have worked online under very difficult circumstances where all of this happened. The schools were closed literally overnight. People weren't prepared, students weren't prepared, teachers weren't prepared and teachers did their very best to carry out as much teaching as possible for their students, keeping as much contact with students as they could. One of the other areas in the ballot was the proper resourcing would be provided in a planned way now before anything happens in case it should happen in the sense that students would be provided with adequate resources, laptops or whatever is required so that should it happen because of COVID, the schools had to close, that 
people would be in a much better position this year to continue with teaching for the period they would be closed through COVID. So we're asking for planning, we're asking for leadership where these issues are addressed, that we're not limping from crisis to crisis. And you know, you see what happens with that now this morning, we have the issue of the sanitizers in yeah, schools. Yeah, that's another we don't issue. Want fire, we don't want fire brigade actions, we're asking for planning ahead. It was very difficult when it happened in March. I realised they had to close, but we saw the problems that caused. And we've now had some months to get our heads around the issues, all of us, departments, unions, teachers, everybody, so that we can look at this in a more planned way so that things will run more smoothly. So that's what we're asking for. We're asking for the department to engage with us uh, in a forward-thinking way before anything worse happens. And are you have you members now this morning who are scrambling and looking around for new sanitizer products ahead of Monday? Absolutely. And that happened through, you know, we had very little notice as well in the summer. It was an almighty effort by people involved in getting the schools open. And a lot of work was done in that prior to the opening of the schools in September. We've had issues a few weeks ago with sanitizers, and now we have an even bigger issue today. So people are in the schools. And, you know, everybody needs a break from the intensive work that's going on. And my heart goes out to the people, the caretakers, the management, whoever is in schools trying to sort this out today with very little information. It's a huge task to carry out when they thought they were having a well-deserved break. And, you know, we don't want these fire brigade issues, as I say, happening again. We want to deal with them in a proactive way, not a reactive way. Okay, and finally, I mean, it does really highlight the issue of overcrowding in classrooms, which has been spoken about over the last number of years in this country. But that's an issue for another day. But on what you've mentioned, if you were to go on strike, if the government don't address these concerns, if more issues like what's happening today with the sanitizer uh, comes out again, if you were to address strike action, could we see action before Christmas or early in the new year for parents who were concerned? I think it's far too early to talk about strike action. I would much prefer to take a positive view of this. We've expressed our concerns in a very serious manner through the ballot. Yes, that mandate is there. I Anybody I know will be very slow to use it if we get any reasonable engagement from the department. I don't even want to talk about that at this mm. stage because we're not there yet as far as I'm concerned. Our executive is meeting later today and I think more information will be available after that. But from my interaction with teachers, we want to approach this in a positive manner manner and say let's see what we can do to resolve those issues right now. And can you understand the anger now of some of the callers that we're getting here this morning who feel oh the teachers are at it again calling for strike action that is what's on the headlines over the last two days Uh, can you feel the anger given that we're in this pandemic and people are trying to work together? I think it's unfortunate that that is the only headline that's going out. And to be fair, all the other issues have been, I think, highlighted in the media as well, the issues of safety that we have uh, brought up. And they are making people more aware. I think when we talk to people, when people understand what's going on, most parents have huge concerns for their children. They want the children to be in school, but they don't want them to be in school at all costs. They want them to be in school in a safe environment, as we do. So I think engagement, communication is what's needed here, not dramatic headlines. Okay, and we'll wait and see what happens happens over the next few weeks for the moment. Thanks for joining us this morning on the programme. Thank you very much. That's Anne Lochnan there from the ASTI, one of the teacher unions representing secondary schools in this country. And even though they, the last resort, they say, is to go and strike, they have voted for industrial action. As she has outlined, uh, if the government don't address the COVID issues in their schools, uh, your views are welcome. Teachers to strike. Uh, do you feel it's going too far given the time we're in? Or are they right given the size of the numbers in the classrooms? Your views are welcome on that. 1850-333-103. Call Bernie or Sadie or indeed text or WhatsApp 86 103 103. 
Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And a number of emails into us overnight. I'll get to those shortly. Also, you can comment to us across the show via C103 on Facebook. You'll find us on C103 Cork on Facebook. You can send us a private message on there. And uh, over the course of the show yesterday, uh, we picked up one. And this is from a person and a few people have been in contact with us regarding the roadworks in Mallow. Uh, they were happening on the old Cork Road in Mallow yesterday outside the primary healthcare centre. And this person says, I was waiting since five past ten in roadworks on the quarter town side of Mallow when I was allowed to drive on and then not allowing anyone though where the roadworks were. I was allowed to drive on, but then it came around the corner, I presume, where they were not allowing anyone into the primary healthcare centre in Mallow. Because of that, everybody was late for appointments. I was told to drive on to join the queue uh, from the town site uh, on the old Cork Road. Uh, but still, I was not allowed into the Mallow primary healthcare when I got to the entrance of the site. Could this not be done at night time? Could they not do these roadworks at night uh, when people are rushing for appointments uh, every day. I was late for my appointment and I wonder how many more were delayed for their appointments yesterday. Uh, the roadworks should be done at night time and James um, email overnight as well was on to us saying yesterday I was travelling for an appointment I had with my doctor in the healthcare centre in Mallow Roadworks were being carried out on the road outside. I was not allowed to turn into the healthcare centre. I drove down the road and joined the traffic. Uh, and again, when I got to turn in, they were doing something at that time and I could not. So I was held up for about 20 minutes. I was late for my appointment. Luckily, my doctor saw me. But at the same time, I wonder how many more were affected by this. And more people have gone in contact with us asking, can they not do these roadworks at night time? Yes, we understand that some of the roadworks can't be done at night for cost etc but when it's in a location in a main town or on the main road surely they can do them at night says Joan in Mallow so are you some of those who are affected by those roadworks let us know you can text or whatsapp 0862103103 I mentioned mass there earlier and how mass is online and the different opinions of priests and also uh, when church leaders met Taoiseach Michal Martin uh, this week again nothing will change in level 5 but one texter here says God help us all People can pray anywhere, especially in our own homes where we have no distractions and you can have mass on TV or streamed on a laptop or wherever. So people stop the nonsense and be thankful for what we have, says that texter to 0862103103. And uh, a lot of calls this morning coming in about markets. Now, uh, they're from people in various parts of Cork. And these are the, uh, not really farmers markets, maybe some of them are, uh, but general markets that operate in towns, uh, mainly on a Friday. And they are allowed, I mean, any market that uh, from the government's uh, website and from the government advice on Level 5 and the current restrictions we are in, they say that markets can, who wholly and principally offer food for sale, can open. So the majority are remaining open and selling local produce as they do Uh, but we're getting calls from people this morning who are saying that they have travelled into their local town 
and they are looking at traders who have come in from other areas but these traders these callers claims and this is Michael and Mary on to us uh, from one town there's a, a number of people on from various towns across Cork this morning and outside of Cork as well whereby they claim that people are selling shoes jewellery and others and that they are not essential items so how are they allowed to do that well the markets are allowed open for food I, like, reading the government advice I have here I doubt they're open to sell shoes and jewellery but for food they can uh, and you know it's up to if there's an inspector going around or if the guard are there they they can have a word and advice and that they are not they are not supposed to do that but anyhow uh, markets as a whole are principally allowed open for food uh, but yeah not for that and uh, one person's making the point that while our local shops are closed and they can't sell those items how then can the markets open selling those items so uh, really on the government advice they should not be selling those items but they are allowed to have food so food is allowed but everything else not anyhow uh, your views are welcome. 1850 333103. Text of WhatsApp 0862103103. We're having problems getting through to our uh, line regarding the essential workers, and these are people who uh, would specialise in bridal care and makeup on the morning of a wedding. We'll get to that later in the show. Uh, but when I speak there about markets and people shopping local, and as we are in level five restrictions, uh, it's more important than ever now for us all to keep it local. That's why here at C103, we're asking you to make every effort to shop locally, whether it's in store for essential items online or for a click or collect. A thriving local economy is good for everyone here in Cork and you'll save time and you will, of course, support local jobs as well. So we thank you for keeping it local if you were doing so from everybody here at C103 and that's probably supported by McCarthy Insurance Group where you can shop local for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. See MIG.ie. Calls and comments are welcome. A lot of them in uh, regarding churches and mass and what Father Groad Walsh in Bally McElliot has said and also around the issue of markets and markets being open today and people questioning should they be allowed to sell shoes and jewellery as the local shops are closed. Well John and Clonacilty has a view. He says I think everybody should be allowed selling shoes. They are essential. You need your car to get around garages uh, or you need a car to get around and garages are open you need your shoes also to get around there's a lot of conflict in decisions by our government at the moment uh, says John in Clonakilty uh, your views are welcome on that 1850 on the way after C103 News at 11 we're going to hear uh, from one Cork County councillor who's asking people to avoid using fireworks and bangers at this time we've heard of this happening over the last number of weeks it's scaring a lot into society, especially those living alone who may not able, due to restrictions, have visitors coming to their house at the moment. It's also then leading to antisocial behaviour. We've got a load of calls in the last hour or so from people who have had eggs thrown at their cars in various parts of Cork. Uh, a few from Mallow we've got calls from, from the Lotebeg area of Mayfield. Uh, so we'll discuss that after 11. Also, uh, what's happening with the Annabella Roundabout in Mallow. Your lines are open. 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp up 0862103103 and I mentioned there about Matt Aaron issuing a yellow wind warning for Cork they have now in the last few seconds just issued a level orange severe weather alert for Cork and that starts tomorrow morning at 5am and runs until later in the morning until around 10am on Saturday morning so uh, a level orange now that has gone from a, a yellow wind warning to an orange wind warning for Cork uh, from 5am tomorrow morning until 10am 
a.m. That has just been issued by Met Aaron in the last few seconds. 1850-333-103. Our lines are open. Bernie and Sadie taking your calls. Or indeed, you can tweet us at C103 Cork or text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Uh, Sheila's been in touch on text. She was watching primetime on RTE last night and she was watching Damien English. Now, I didn't see this, but she said uh, that he said last night that children's socks are non-essential. Uh, Sheila disagrees with him and says, is he mad or bad or both? Are his socks non-essential? Without them, he could hardly wear his shoes, so let him go barefoot. He could practice what he preaches, says Sheila. And a lot of confusion about that. Uh, this is coming where a lot of the retailers, the bigger stores now at this stage, because smaller ones are closed. The big stores were selling those type of items. They now have stopped selling those items. Uh, the government has deemed them non-essential. Uh, people now are questioning that and feel that shoes and uh, socks and those items should be left for sale because they are essential. And on the issue of teachers we spoke about with the ASTI and they have voted for industrial action. They gave the reasons why regarding the classroom sizes and the COVID related issues they are coming across in school and if somebody in that school does uh, feel or they could be they could have gone for a COVID test and the testing process they would rather know in 24 hours uh, rather than it going on for two or three days and the concern teachers have and there's mixed views on that a lot of people could see where they where teachers are coming from because of the situation they find themselves in but if the schools are going to go on strike if they are going to do that and if teachers are going to be or if they're going to force the government to close schools again and teachers work from home uh, a lot of people uh, feel that teachers should go on the COVID payment the government can't be responsible and and paying teachers uh, says Margaret all the time if they are working from home Uh, yes I know they're still working but technically they can't be in a classroom situation so the wages will have to be looked at we can't as a country continue the way we are, while many people have lost their jobs and are just about qualifying for the COVID payment, says Margaret, while Audrey says teachers are paid while they are off where more of us don't get paid if we don't do work, even with COVID or no COVID, says Audrey on text to 0862103103 and uh, earlier I spoke and this is regarding mass and people uh, were, weren't happy, the fact that you still can't go to mass on the level 5 and even though the Taoiseach Michal Martin did speak uh, with church leaders, it still remained the same and while a lot of people on text though are, are saying that it doesn't really worry them they feel safer watching mass on their own TV at home or on a laptop they can stream it so they don't see they don't see what the big concern is about people giving out about not being able to go to mass and it comes in the back of Father Garot Walsh who's the parish priest of Ballymacgelliot uh, which is located between Castle Island and Tralee in Kerry. He has made the reference of these restrictions. He's compared it to the Black and Tans because the last time worship was disturbed in that parish of Ballymac, uh, he said was when the local presbytery was burnt down 100 years ago and the next disruption is COVID-19. And he feels that it's wrong to do that. Now he has toned down and doubled down on what he has said and his reference to the Black and Tans because many in the locality. Many local councillors and local prisoners have said it's going too far considering it is a global pandemic to compare it to the Black and Tans. Uh, but on this, a text right here says, well done to Father Garod Walsh in Kerry on speaking out about the closure of churches. I wish there was more like him. All schools are open with up to 25 to 30 in any room. No such thing as what was happening in the churches. Yes, they were open, but everybody was well apart. All done so well, but yet no mass. Uh, while 
Gella uh, says I agree with Father Garoge maybe not on his comments in relation to the black and tans but I do think he's right in what he's saying about the churches all our churches including my local church had stewards at the door everybody was social distancing and I think the wider thing here is it did give those who were living alone a place to go and it made uh, to make a fuss of themselves even dressing up at the weekend to go to Mass it might sound stupid but many people uh, felt getting ready putting on their good clothes to go to Mass it brought some normality to them uh, so even though I totally understand why the state had to make this decision I do feel there's a bigger picture here on mass and no mass allowed uh, while Nora says I don't see why people are giving out the reason for having churches closed is quite simply because of the spread of COVID-19 we need to limit that and Nora goes on to say that people can watch they can stream masses priests are going out of their way with technology to make it available for people on Facebook on websites on uh, different uh, methods so that people can watch mass also it's shown on TV so Nora can't see why people are still giving out about no masses and how some of your calls and comments there in relation to mass and also earlier on this week we were chatting to some people and we were asking about old appliances because it came from a survey that was released over the bank holiday Monday on people who have the oldest appliances in their home and we heard a number of people saying uh, the, the age of their appliance and they might have had a, a cooker that was 40 years old but one uh, caller did reference Green Shield stamps and that they bought an item from Green Green Shield stamps uh, a number of years ago and still has that kitchen appliance well uh, it has raised a lot of people over the course of the week we didn't get to all of these but these are people who have remembered the catalogue and are asking uh, do people remember the Green Shield gift catalogue that you would have got and you would have saved the stamps to purchase certain items uh, a lot of those items still in many households Fiona says I sure do remember those stamps and that booklet a green type booklet it was I spent hours sticking them into my dad's collection books when I was kids and Cassie says yes I remember them they can't be got now and I, I can't remember she says though how we got the stamps or how we collected them but great memories while Teresa says oh my god when I heard you earlier on this week mention the green shields stamps I actually stopped in my kitchen it brought back so many memories of me and my family and yes my mother loved collecting them and my bro- my own brother got his first guitar with them happy days says Teresa uh, to C103 Cork on Facebook John says he remembers these very well and it was with his mother in the 80s he used to collect these in Cork it brings back memories uh, to him of uh, travelling to the city and picking up the items that they would have saved for and a number of people are saying I remember that as well like John has of going to uh, shops in the city uh, Mike says it used to be across from the Square Deal Furniture in Cork where you would actually get the items or collect the stamps even there as well and more people saying there was a shop in Washington Street dealing with this uh, so a lot of memories coming from the Green Shield stamps and do you remember those because Eileen says I still have a smoky brown Pyrex casserole dish that I got with them it's well worn now but I still use this so hello to you Eileen and thanks for so many people when we mentioned that and it was only a brief mention on Tuesday on the show when someone was telling us about their old appliance and that they had bought it from the Green Shield gift catalogue saving those stamps a lot of people remember those and brought back memories so hello to all of you and thank you for sharing your memories maybe more people have stories like those they're like Eileen who saved for that bowl or that casserole dish that she has 
also people spending time with their mothers and filling up the stamps and the memories they have. And like that earlier, it was Teresa was telling us her brother uh, say got his first guitar uh, and the memories they have as a family saving for those anyhow the, the, those stories are good and we love hearing those and thank you for your calls and comments any more of those keep them coming 1850 can I say hello to everybody in Kilworth I will share these photos uh, after the show uh, that have been sent to us on WhatsApp when we're speaking about Halloween uh, the guys in Kilworth the square there in Kilworth it's going to be lit up at night with floodlights shining on a fantastic display they have and what they have done is they have decorated the whole square it looks like they have put pumpkins and ghosts and whatnot in the square. So, uh, well done to the gang in Kilworth. Hello to you all, and thanks for sending us in the pictures. We will uh, share them later on our Facebook page. But great to see so many communities across Cork, even though we are restricted, doing things for Halloween and making it special for this time of the year. And hi to Mary in North Cork. She wants to know: Is the old age pension going back to weekly payments from this week, Mary? Uh, it is all weekly again from the. 2nd of November so next week the 2nd of November it has been confirmed with the department of Bernie's just got an email back from them and they have said that all remaining weekly social welfare payments which did move to the fortnightly schedule will be paid again weekly and that comes in from effect uh, Mary on next Monday thank you for your call to 1850 333103 a text or whatsapp 086 2103 103 and a listener who just says a West Cork listener wants to know why the PSO levy went up on the electricity uh, on the 1st of October with no publicity another hidden charge Rupa of Ireland well it was publicised we did actually was it three interviews on that uh, this year with bonkers.ie um, the first one maybe not with them I think it was with Dermot Jewell in January when he said this will happen later this year and then uh, when it was muted in May and June we did an interview with bonkers.ie in June and again only a few weeks ago we were joined by Dara Cassidy from Bonkers.ie explaining why that has gone up. A lot of it is to do with green energy and other methods and, and why the PSO has gone up. But in fairness, we did mention this and we did three interviews on the show over the course of the year on this. And outside of that, it would have been mentioned on our news bulletins as well. So it's certainly got publicity and it is on your actual bill when you get the PSO levy. But it is frustrating that you're paying enough for your electricity and then you see another charge in the middle of it all it could be another uh, depending on what the charge is it could be another 50, 40, uh, 60 euro it just depends on, on your bill so it is frustrating and I can see why people aren't happy with that it is another hidden charge in Rip Off Ireland says that listener uh, but on publicity it was publicised but yeah uh, a very frustrating when you're trying to save for electricity bills and then you see uh, this charge called PSO going up and uh, when you when you try to do your best to watch and limit your use uh, it's not much good when a charge this appears on your bill. Anyhow, thank you uh, for your text to 086 2103103 or you can call Bernier and Sadie 1850 Now on the, on the way we're going to uh, speak with Councillor Ian Doyle in Charnival because he's making a plea to everybody right across the county and to avoid first of first, all probably too late now in purchasing them they're already being purchased and I think they're illegal to purchase but uh, fireworks and bangers that have been going off over the last month in many towns and urban areas of the city as well uh, or suburbs of the city uh, they are scaring a lot of the vulnerable people and a lot of people who are elderly and who are living alone but uh, people who 
cannot at the moment uh, have visitors to their home uh, for the restrictions and other various reasons. They are frightened by this. But another level of this is uh, it started off with the fireworks and bangers. It's now moved on to egg throwing at motorists at night. A lot of calls to us over the last uh, hour regarding that. Discussing that anyhow uh, on the way next. If you have an example of uh, that in your area that you're being kept awake at night or it's scaring somebody you know or even if you're driving along the road and someone just has pelted you with an egg uh, let us know. 1850 333103 text or WhatsApp 086 2103 We'll discuss that next. C103 Jobs. And we have opportunities today for a rigid truck driver wanted in the North Cork area. Full clean driving licence is required and you must be over 25. Full and part-time jobs or positions are available there. You can contact 087 286 0837 for further details. And an experienced fast food assistant and kitchen porter, they are wanted for a takeaway and abandon. You can send your CVs to info at danielle.ie and an office administrator and an account assistant is required to work one day per week in Ballylanders. Email your CV to ballylanders35 at gmail.com you find these details and more job opportunities they're online now just go to c103.ie forward slash job you're listening to cork today on replay phone and text lines are life is full of what ifs some awesome like what if ai could fold your laundry and some well less awesome like what if you have unexpected medical costs United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Currently closed. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 And just an update on that new issue from Met Aaron by way of a warning. They've just issued a status orange warning for tomorrow and a storm Aidan is set to make landfall here in Cork. It's in effect from 5am until 10am tomorrow morning and we can expect gusts of up to 130 kilometres per hour here in Cork. Uh, 
so just beware of that tomorrow morning from 5am uh, those uh, strong gusts of 130k uh, and that orange warning for wind now in operation from 5am uh, met here and have said uh, tom- tomorrow morning for the Cork area uh, they just upgraded that in the last 20 minutes now firecrackers the bangers all going off in the last uh, number of weeks in various towns in Cork and indeed in suburbs of the city and one uh, councillor here is asking and appealing to people to just simply stop councillor Ian Doyle from Charnoville joins me. Good morning to you, Ian. Morning, John Paul. How are you? I'm fine, and thanks for joining us. Now, we have been inundated with calls over the last month at this stage from people who have said they're just frightened, they're aware of people living alone. And with all these restrictions over the last while, people may not want people calling to them for obvious reasons. People can't call in for other reasons. And they're afraid that they're alone, frightened in the early hours of the morning or even late at night by hearing these fireworks and bangers going off, which more than likely, if they're going off for the last month, Ian, they will continue on. This weekend, yeah, yeah, no, John Paul, I'm, I'm certainly conscious. I mean, it has been a growing phenomenon, I suppose, over the last number of years. Uh, it was in our county towns and villages, and particularly, I suppose, in, in some of our housing estates. And I was conscious last Monday at, at the council meeting, and I just asked the mayor to use to her office maybe to put out an appeal uh, this this weekend, and in particular tomorrow. And you're just mentioning Stormy Edinburgh tonight as well. But you know, particularly tomorrow night, I'm just so conscious that we're in level five. Many of our elderly, and not just elderly, but young people as well, have been cocooned or have been curtailed since last February to, to beat this virus. And it is playing on, on everybody's health at this stage, there's no question about it. And, you know, I just feel that we're no, in no way do we want to be killjoys. Halloween is for young people, and tomorrow night they can celebrate it in a different way in their homes, and that's perfectly OK. But it's just this, this um, I suppose, this rampaging with firecrackers and throwing them indiscriminately around our housing estates. I would just urge everybody to caution and not to do it tomorrow night in the interest of in the interest of safety number one, but again as I say, in the interest of the elderly people that are cocooned in their homes and just have not been meeting people and I just like everyone to adhere to that if that's possible and that's what I'm trying to do, yeah. And if you had that experience in Charnival, if you heard yourself, are you aware of people who've been in touch with you that this is happening? Oh God, there's no question about it, John Paul. And like it has been growing over the last couple of years. And unfortunately, it's not the like it is people visiting estates that are not from the estate. And it is just havoc, absolutely, for about a half an hour or three quarters. And it, I mean, I've been present at several of them because I wanted to see in Trent's office. And it is frightening to be there just in the presence, not to mind being behind your closed door since February and listening to that going outside your door. You know, it, it is frightening. So I'm just appealing to people. Uh, not to do it this year in the interest of just not in the interest of safety number one but as we are in level five and trying to control this virus and I suppose that brings a follow up to the very interesting conversation you had earlier on with the ASPI um, our schools thankfully are all open here in Charles and Throat and Northcourt and next Monday we will be hoping that all those schools will be open again and we're asking pupils and teachers to go back into that scenario so you know our, our conduct this weekend will determine next week I think and you know that's again part of the plea yeah yeah you don't want large gangs gathering and no, 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 the spread no, of the virus back into a school then yeah, yeah that's a very good point no, I, I compliment everybody and, and, and young people in particular for adhering to it as it is at the minute I mean people are in general very very good but tomorrow night is tomorrow night and we are what we are and I just would like everyone just to keep caution and not to have fireworks tomorrow night if possible 
And it is a minority that are doing this. We're not telling everybody it's just a minority that are doing this. But these fireworks and bangers I speak about, are they, they're illegal, aren't they here? They are illegal, yeah. I mean, in Cork County Council has the website put up uh, for the last couple of days and they are illegal, to be honest with you. They're also tying up our fire service. I mean, like tomorrow night last year or the year before last, our fire service was out from voluntary people out from 6 o'clock in the evening until 12 and 1 o'clock at night. Uh, totally unnecessary. And again, it's, it's, it's something, it's a celebration that can turn and does turn into antisocial behaviour. And that's my concern. I mean, Halloween is for young people. By all means, enjoy Halloween. They can't trick or treat this year, but at home, enjoy it. And, you know, for the people that are doing this antisocial behaviour, I just urge them not to do it tomorrow night. And can you act on laws within the local authority on this? I mean, the Gardaí are, will clearly say they, they have enough going on. They're under-resourced. They can't be everywhere. And there is calls for more Gardaí to be directed to Cork to deal with situations like this. The emergency services, fire brigade there, uh, they, they have enough going on as well. So is there anything you can do within the council to, to counteract this? And where are these fireworks and bangers then coming from? That's the problem with Red John Paul, I suppose. I mean, from a retail point of view, it's illegal. And I suppose if you could identify where they are being sold, then you could attack the retailer. But I don't think they've been sold, and I'm confident they're not being sold over the counter anywhere. So they're probably being sourced on the internet or sourced on the black market. And that's, that is the problem. Yeah, that is the problem. But, but they are totally illegal. And of course, as you say, the Gardaí have enough to be doing. The community guards here and our guards here in Jarvis have enough to be doing. And by the time they come to the scene, these fireworks have gone off anyway. And it's very hard to prove who threw them. You know, so that's, yeah. And then following this, what he, what this seems to be happening and does every year, unfortunately, is it, it can lead, when you have gangs like this gathering and doing these type of things, either with fireworks or bangers, it can lead then uh, to antisocial behaviour, which we always hear, usually the, the Monday after uh, Halloween weekend, you will hear and uh, the, this happened in this town, that happened there. And what we're hearing, Ian, I don't know if this is happening in Charleville or not, but what I'm, we're hearing call-wise here over the last two days is drivers, uh, when it gets dark, and usually this is 8 at 9 yeah. o'clock in the evening, they've been pelted with eggs now yeah. and we've got calls from Mallow and the Lotter Beg area of Mayfield in Rochestown that this is happening in the last two or three nights yeah. uh, so this firework issue is leading on to other issues It is yeah and, and, and as I say it, 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 it's an antisocial behaviour I mean it's not done in the spurs of Halloween or anything like that it, it is gangs of youth uh, doing it in an antisocial behaviour and you know what I have found is, is that, like particularly from the estate's point of view it, it, it's generally not the, it's definitely not the people from the estate And as a responsibility as well, Ian, for parents, if you've teens, if it is teens, that know where they are going. I mean, if they're going out wearing hoodies or wearing jackets at eight o'clock on a Saturday night when everything closed, yeah, questions have to be asked. Definitely, definitely. And as I say again, level five, we need to be strict adherence. That's what we are doing. But if, apart from that, John Paul, it's physically. I mean, it's dangerous. I mean, if one of those crackers lands on the top of the roof of a car or lands on the top of the house or something like that, I mean, there's a, there's a firehouse that's straight away. No question about it. It's hugely dangerous. Or somebody injures them. How many stories have we heard of people injuring themselves yeah, by yeah, the yeah, firecracker going off in their hands? Yeah, no question about it. Other people yeah. themselves, yeah. yeah, no question about it. Yeah. Okay, but it is good to raise this issue and hopefully yeah. things and won't be as bad and responsibility does lie with with parents and indeed with shop owners. Texters here saying maybe shop owners selling eggs should be uh, questioning why young people, maybe 15, 16 year old lads or girls or whatever, what are they doing buying so many eggs? They should be questioned. Yeah, maybe, so yeah, maybe, yeah. Yeah. Responsibility in all of us. Okay, Ian, thank you for joining us and raising yeah, that yeah, issue. Yeah. This morning. 
well done with the week, John Paul. Good, great show. Thank you very much, yeah. Ian. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Take care. Thank you. That is Councillor Ian Dahl there joining us uh, from Charnival on that issue. And is it something that you were worried about and going on in your town? We've had heard calls, as I said, from uh, Mallow. Ian's outlines what's happening there in Charnival and regarding egg throwing, which we're getting calls on in the last number of days. It can be awful if an egg hits your home trying to get that off. Uh, but hitting a car... While you're driving, that could lead to a serious accident. And we have got calls over the last two days here from the Mallow area, uh, Rochestown and the Lotus Beck area of Mayfield where it's going on. So uh, hopefully people will desist on that. And personal responsibility plays a big part here. If you have uh, someone in your household going out at an unusual hour with everything closed on a Saturday night, well, where are they going? Uh, then again it's hard to police everything isn't it uh, your views are welcome 1850 you can text or whatsapp 0862103103 and a few texts have come in here just in the last few minutes regarding GAA and this of course relates to the match on this weekend Cork are taking on Waterford this weekend it's in the Munster Senior Hurling Championship semi-final and uh, for the big J supporters who are texting us and they're saying this is just an example from Jim who says we can't go to the GAA matches and the pubs are shut and yet Cork and Waterford tomorrow is on Sky. We don't have Sky. Greed wins out again, says Jim, who's saying up the rebels. And Jonathan similar saying, oh, why, oh, why have they let Sky show this match again? It's unfair on us who don't have Sky and cannot afford to pay for it with pubs closed. How can we watch these games? Very unfair that our national sport is being shown on a TV channel coming from London, says Jonathan on text 0862103103. And yes, and it's something we have raised on the show before and people feel that this, it, I thought something was to change this year. Uh, maybe COVID has changed that, but they were looking into rules whereby a national sport such as GAA should be free to air. We spoke before to the MEP, Sean Kelly, of course, who uh, highly involved in the GAA over the years. He agreed that it should be free to air and that they need to look at these rules. Some people were saying that Sky could have the rights and they would show them free to air, but then you do need equipment to have Sky, uh, whereas on Searview, which the majority of people would have with just an aerial, if it was the match that is on RTE or Virgin, uh, then that would make it available for everybody in the state. Uh, Liz just texts in saying, why not tell that man to try GAA Go, but there is a cost. And Dermot on text saying, I agree with Jim. Outrageous. Even last night when Dundalk played Arsenal, at least Virgin Media, even though they had it on their sport channel, they made it available to all to watch on Virgin Media too. Surely we should be able to watch our own national games, says Dermot. On text 0862103103 would you agree with those I know they were looking into this and hopefully uh, in the future that our national game would be free to air uh, either on RTE and Virgin I would say because they are widely available anyhow uh, your views are welcome on that and by the way as I mentioned that game the Cork team will name and their side tonight for that clash in the Munster Senior Hurling Championship semi-final with Waterford and we will have live coverage here tomorrow anyhow of Cork and Waterford here on C103 throwing is at 3.30 so uh, like Jim and others if you can watch it on the TV and obviously you can't be there live coverage here tomorrow afternoon with Mark on Cork Sports Saturday Cork and Waterford here at C103 on the way we will be hearing though regarding another issue we've got calls on yesterday this is to do with the Annabella roundabout in Mallow those big red 
red letter spelling out the word mallow they've gone missing why is that and also what can be done to make it more appealing for Christmas given the times we are in we'll find out next Record today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 1850-333-103 Now we had a call yesterday that led to a number of calls regarding the big red letters at the Annabella roundabout in Mallow some of the letters are missing as you approach from the Cork side well Councillor James Kennedy from Mallow joins me on this good morning to you James John Paul, good morning. How are you today? I'm fine and thanks for joining us. Now, now we're down by the bank of the river, a few of us here, and it's absolutely gorgeous. Is it? Oh, well, that's good. Yeah, it is nice at the moment. Yeah, uh, yeah, it yeah. could change later, but it's good for the moment anyhow, so good enjoy good. it while you can. Sure. Do you know sure. what happened here? We had mixed reviews yesterday. Some people okay. told us there was an accident and they're gone for the last two or three weeks, while others are saying it's just gone for the last week. And when will those big letters be repaired? Yeah, John Paul, I was speaking with the engineer about that, actually. And what he said to me is, you know, that is extension. Well, the damage there is huge, actually, and that still have to be taken away, you know, so they can be welded back on again and sorted out. So that is going to happen. Now, you know, we hope we get it done within a few weeks. But what the accident and that happened there is really that ruined actually most of the well the little planks around it. So or the hope is that it'll have to be taken away and it'll have to be fixed off-site. And do they know the timescale on this? Do you know, while I was asking them, that weeks, I think, John Paul said, rather than months, obviously it won't be months, I'd say, you know, a matter of weeks, I hope, I hope. And when I drove around there yesterday, James, the area itself, it just looked very overgrown and we had some callers saying that as well. Maintenance of the roundabout, it's something that has come up a lot over the last year since they changed yeah. and, and took away the horse and rider and put on these yeah. big signs. Is that yeah. been hampered due to COVID or what's the situation here? Well, the COVID and as well, you know, that there was a lot of damage actually done. But, 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 but that is going to be actually sorted out as well, John Paul. So when the horses are being, or so when the new, uh, uh, that when the signage is back, they'll do a lot of work on that as well, the county council. So it should be, it should be really back to new. And about the horses, that most people will probably know at this stage that say they're going to be out the cock road. And where are they at the moment? Because they were in storage. Yeah. Are they still hiding? Oh, they're in storage, babe, you know. <laughs> yes, indeed, they were hiding them away. But, John Paul, yeah. But, but, but what's going to happen there is that, you know, that when you're passing the Nomani shop mm-hmm. and you go out past Kylie's garage and your first little little left in yeah. up there, so we'll bring it to the Cock Road. So it's just about 100 yards out that road and said there'll have to be a foundation put down as well. It's going to be a big foundation because, well, the foundation will have to give the statue a bit of a lift as well, or the horse a bit of a lift. And what is the timeline on this? Because we've heard that before that it's, and you've outlined it very well where they're placing them, but we've heard before they are going to be on the Cork Road uh, and they have done road works in the last number of months on that section of roadway. So is it the next next year we're going to see those, that being carried out or when will this happen? You know, what I was told is that more than, well, and we're entering now into November, well, I would say hopefully, actually, within five or six weeks, maybe. 
Well, that's Hopefully. a good time frame. So before yeah, Christmas, yeah. we could see the horse and rider back in full view uh, absolutely. again. Absolutely. And we can put the lights up in them as well, Stay. Can you? Can you? Okay. Yeah, because <laughs> that, that, that's the next thing. I mean, uh, we've got calls then from people yesterday when I mentioned the roundabout and I mentioned the condition of it. Yeah, Could something yeah. be done for Christmas this year, given all the restrictions, given COVID, people need a lift. Could something be done on that roundabout, light-wise or Christmassy-wise, without distracting drivers, obviously, enough? Yes. Well, come here, um, what will have to be done first, I'd say, John Paul, is to get the signage back up mm. uh, and to sort out the plants and the flowers to, that to re, well, repaint us. And I'd say that will be the time then. Now, well, as you know, say that we always have Christmas lights on the, well, on the, well, the flyover yeah, yeah. Or, or the walkover. But that's a good suggestion, and I'll bring it actually to management. Okay. I will, and we'll see what uh, what can be done. Sure. It would be nice, and without again distracting anybody driving through, but it would be something Absolutely. to pick people up. Uh, whatever will happen nearer Christmas. Uh, but the yes. good news is the horse and rider are they still by the way in the council yard? That's where they were the yes, last time. You know, they they're, well, they're stored out in um, that Newbury. Oh, that, okay, yeah, that's they're there. the new area. Yeah. Well, that's the new yard. And yeah. they hopefully you you think before Christmas they will make a reappearance on the main oh, crop yeah. road. And well, sure that is important because Mallows, you know, you know the Cork region, you know that we raise affinity with horses. Yeah, and that, and we are known as that, and we are the only that we've the only actually that um, race course in County Cork. Yeah, located so, in Mallow, so important. there's a big a big t- tie in there to have that statue in Mallow. Absolutely, John Paul, and that hopefully said that will be done within four or five weeks. Hopefully. Hopefully. Well, James, thanks for clarifying those. We'll wait uh, to see the horse and rider back again in Mallow. Yeah. And uh, thanks for your clarification on the roundup. as well. hope that clears Paul. things up for people. Uh, for the moment, thanks for joining us, uh, James, this yeah. morning on the programme there. Enjoy your walk near the banks of the river uh, Blackwater in Mallow. That is Councillor James Kennedy uh, in Mallow joining us on the situation. Uh, first of all, regarding the signs, which will be brought back over the next while uh, in Mallow, the, the big Mallow signs, they'll be brought back uh, maybe before Christmas hopefully by what James is saying uh, and also then the horse and rider people are inquiring about they are also on the way back before Christmas on the main Cork Road on uh, the signs have a number of calls and texts regarding the big Mallow signs a lot of people feel they should never uh, have been put there on the roundabout but just some of your calls and texts on that uh, first of all this is Sheila who says the old roundabout was way nicer I think they should have left things as they were Fiona on C103 Facebook says I think the signs were hit by a car as James outlined but I don't know what's going to happen with the roundabout it's all now growing with weeds something should have been done there regarding that Kevin saying the original sculpture that was on the roundabout the horse and rider that should never have been moved and Anne says come to Carrick Tool see our roundabouts really well taken care of well done to everybody in the Carrick Tool area says Anne to C103 on Facebook and staying with the roundabout Mary says I'm glad the red letters are gone please put back the horses it's awful looking at all those weeds and a lot of people are making the point regarding the weeds on the roundabout and hopefully that will be taken care of as well when they are putting back uh, the actual letters uh, they will sort out the weeds and we'll have to wait and see if they'll take up your idea uh, it was listeners to the show after all who want something done Christmassy on the roundabout let's hopefully th- that they'll take that idea up for uh, for our listeners and do something for Christmas and Christine says those big letters are ugly get rid of them a lot of them need to be cleaned up and that roundabout looks disgusting the way it is, says Christine uh, to C103 Cork on Facebook. But I think a lot of people 
finally we have an answer uh, the Horse and Riders should be making a reappearance on the main Cork Road out of Mallow before Christmas we'll wait and see if that happens 1850 333 103 text of WhatsApp 0862103103 uh, big response to it was Jim first of all that uh, was the first to text in on this this is the Cork Waterford match tomorrow that's only been shown on Sky he feels with everything going on it's unfair uh, that it's only available on Sky and, and not on our uh, terrestrial Irish services such as Virgin or RTE a lot of response to that we'll get to those on the way more of your calls and comments on the GAA why the Cork and Waterford match tomorrow a lot of people are not happy that it's just on Sky a lot of calls on that also on the illegal fireworks which are doing the rounds across Cork over the last few weeks and a lot of calls on the roundabout in Mallow as well and the horse and rider will they be seen before Christmas or not your calls on that and more 1850 333 103 you can call Bernie or Sadie or text or WhatsApp 086 3103. Also on the way after midday, we'll be taking a look at the Sunday Times Good University Guide for 2021 and we'll be taking a look also at movies available for streaming the new ones out and reviewing the Borat movie that are more. Friday afternoon, we're heading to the movies with Mark. What's available? The latest on streaming. He's reviewing Borat uh, that are more after 12.30 but just uh, and a lot of comments in on various issues. We'll get to them all but on the GAA match tomorrow that a lot of people aren't happy with. Uh, they can't watch only on Sky and people feel these type of matches considering the pubs are closed you can't go to the matches something should have been agreed before now that our national game would only be shown either on RTE or Virgin Media and a number of people making the point that how come the national game is being shown from a channel broadcast from London uh, well on that Margaret in McCroom says last Sunday on RTE 2 they had the Clare and Limerick match so why not the Cork match this week well it's all to do with rights and what would happen is at the start of the GA year might be different with everything going on this year but usually at the start of the year uh, there is the broadcast arrangements and whoever has won the rights for GA uh, would sit down with reps from the GA and the matches then the various ones across the, the across the league or across the championship are chosen and they are pinpointed or, or given to certain broadcasters so RT would get this match Sky would get this match and whatnot. And that's what's happened here. This Cork Waterford match basically is in the hands of Sky. Uh, and Mike says, uh, Mike is making the point that one of the reasons, uh, well, Mike, you're right in saying that the Cork match has been agreed ages ago with Sky. Yes, that is the case. Uh, you also say the Cork matches have not been shown in RTE because other GA matches are on uh, and rugby matches are on. They can't show them all. Uh, well, if the RTE had the rights, regardless how many games are on, if they had the rights to show that match, they would show it and they would have arranged starting times with the GA to show that so other matches would have been put back uh, two hours or three hours or whatever and they would have arranged the times uh, if RTE had to show that match things would have been arranged differently uh, so they would have shown that match one way or another on either RTE 1 or 2 or the RTE news channel Uh, and the rugby of course is on Virgin so there's more choice there now than ever before and that's why people are making the choice why not uh, have the rights with RTE and Virgin and not Sky Uh, Kathleen is making the point that I think the GAA matches are free tomorrow on Sky uh, not too sure if that is true or not Kathleen we'll check that out but if even if they are the point is if you don't have a sub with Sky if you don't have a satellite dish or you can't you don't get the channels it's not much good uh, physically people want and we did discuss this uh, many times uh, with d- different uh, TDs MEPs over the years that people want our national game only shown free to air on either RTE or Virgin at least then it's free to air so if we're in a situation like this uh, they can watch the game but the good news is uh, for tomorrow 
Uh, that clashed the Munster Senior Hurling Championship semi-final uh, with Waterford. It's live here tomorrow on C103. So uh, you'll have live coverage from 3.30 on Cork Sports Saturday tomorrow afternoon here on C103 for Cork and Waterford so you can enjoy the game on the radio. Now, the Sunday Times Good University Supplement is out this Sunday. And to find out more about this, I'm joined by Colm Murphy, uh, who's put together this. Uh, good afternoon to you, Colm. Good afternoon, John Paul. And thanks for joining us. Now, you work on this every year. And just for people to give them an example of what this is, it's more or less like a league table for universities and ITs. Yes, I mean, it's, 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 we, we, it's the only league table that's produced in Ireland uh, where we rank the, the ITs and the universities from 1 to 19. But we also look at uh, profiling them as well. So we look at kind of each of the ITs, things that kind of parents and and perspective students want to know you know about them such as you know we look at the academic performance of them the first year experience and the employment rates afterwards the amount of first and two ones that come from them the progression rate so all the metrics that are important for people going in in, in terms of first year into a university um, and then we also look all, also at kind of the social side of things so we look at kind of the, the, the sports facilities the, the campus life and so forth so we interview the, the student union presidents and um, so forth so it's both a, a ranking and it's also a, a kind of profiling and we also look at things like rents um, so where are the most expensive places to study and so forth so it's really just a one-stop shop based upon kind of a feedback from parents and students of the information that they feel that they, 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 they want to have before they make the decision as to where they might want to go for uh, third level education. And it's good that you've taken everything, as you mentioned there, from rents, from the social side, because we all know with ITs and going to college or universities, uh, while we think primarily of the education side, there's a lot more to college life. And uh, I'll go on to how things have changed maybe this year, but uh, the, the looking of social aspect, it can be a big thing because that can develop a person on how they socialise during college. So that is very important as in where you live. Yes, it is. I mean, you know, a lot of research would show that uh, students, when they graduate from uh, the third level, uh, you know, only about um, a third of them would actually end up directly in the career that they, they went into the, the degree for. Um, but that's not saying that the things that they learn there aren't useful then for their future careers, you know, because obviously the jobs that people will get in the future, most of them, the, the people looking towards going for university next year, you know, in 10 years' time, the jobs that they'll be getting, most of those jobs haven't been invented yet. Um, so, you know, it's important that when people go to third level, you know, a lot of the skills that they pick up is that interpersonal skills, it's the teamwork skills, it's the work, you know, being on a sports team skills, it's organising the local society, organising the drama, you know, it's, it's those type of skills that are very important um, and they kind of sit along the academic skills. Unfortunately, a lot of the academic skills get out of date fairly pretty fast but those is what we call soft skills but they're not necessarily really soft you know are the skills that kind of give them that adaptability and the agility that they need in the future uh, to, to kind of take these new opportunities that come up as technologies change yeah, and speaking of technology, it's a tough year for third level as it is for all education sectors this year. A lot of the courses now, uh, for the moment, online. Uh, and is that inf- have you looked at that this year when you're yes, looking at the report? I mean, this this is a huge factor, and it's a particularly important factor for you know both the quality of the experience that that students would get, and then is that equivalent to what they would get if they were on campus? And then secondly, you know, obviously there's the the the, the, the financial issue, which is you know, is it. If I'm going to rent accommodation in Dublin for my son or daughter, and um, you know, there's a huge cost involved in that, and whether or not it's 
can they actually do the degree from from home at least for the first year or so? So it's all those factors uh, that we've tried to put together a guide uh, from the point of view of what's going to happen, you know, and then from people who are trying to forecast ahead, you know, to make make those decisions. So we reckon from our survey that over ninety percent of teaching is now taking place online, and um, very little has taken place on campus apart from the absolute you know necessity of certain practicals in in some of the in, in certain subjects, you know, where you just can't replicate the, the, the same thing online. And uh, a lot of the presidents are telling us in the survey that a lot of what they've learned from that over the last seven or eight months, um, that a lot of that is going to become permanent, you know, in the sense that um, the whole idea of blended learning uh, and the whole idea of, you know, replacing exams with continuous ass- assessment, um, also the whole idea of having part of your degree online, so you're not kind of constantly, um, you know, expecting that everything will be delivered in person on campus um, and you know for some students it has given them a lot of flexibility that they wouldn't have had before and so forth so there has been some positives but uh, from it so they're learning a huge amount from the experience and I suppose it's kind of brought forward what might have happened over the next 10 years or so uh, as the technologies have kind of become available and, and at an affordable price where you can kind of have the, the streaming of lectures and so forth um, and that kind of has has accelerated that so I think we're, we're, we're never going to go back to the same way it was um, prior to, to March last year in terms of third level education and some of the changes you know, will, will be positive for, for students and, and some of them um, you know, might not be as positive but you know that there is kind of a lot of learning going on uh, you know, coming from this kind of emergency situation. Yeah, and there's options there for students uh, going forward in the future for third level. And before we reveal who has got what out of this year's uh, report... It, over the time you've been doing this, have some regions here in Ireland, have they performed better than others or, or is it simply just down to the actual work in the IT and the university and the area they're in? No, I mean, some regions have really come on. I mean, we've been in this report now for since 2002, so over over uh, 20 years and there's been a sea change, you know, in third-level education since then. If you think back to then, you know, it was... Uh, the percentage of the population actually getting the degree was quite limited, um, but now you know we're one of the highest countries in the world in terms of the degrees per population and the, and the number of students getting the degree. So it's really transformed the economy as well as transformed kind of social life and transforming you know the the the, um, the, the, the how we work as a society. You know the fact that so many students are now doing the four year three to four year degree. Um, over 50%, you know, it's become kind of a, almost like a rite of passage and, and has kind of brought the, the, the standards of the economy and the type of businesses that we're running, you know, to a completely different standard. But in terms of p- performance, you know, certainly the Cork area has really been outstanding in terms of um, its performance, you know, if we went back over the period. And we've done just a little bit of modelling because obviously there's a big change happening here in, in third level, not only the, the move online, but um, there's five mergers going on with the Institutes of Technology. And, and as I'm from, um, in two months' time, the Cork Institute of Technology will be merging with the um, Institute of Technology Tralee to form the new Munster Technolo- Technological uh, University, MTU, I think is the abbreviation that they'll be using for it. Now, the modelling that we've done on that, because obviously there's concern within kind of thing as to, you know, Cork IT always had a, a strong ranking and, and so forth, and you'd be concerned that it would in some way kind of diminate it on, on the league tapes or so forth. But the good news for Cork is that that's... Um, a very strong performance for Cork IT when it does merge with uh, the Institute of Technology Trilly. We estimate in the modeling that we've done is that it will always, for the next few years, it will be um, the 
top uh, technological university in, in, in the country. Um, so that's, you know, um, a, a positive for the region. And that's, you know, it's not in, in a sense anything new, but it's a kind of building on that very good academic record that, that Cork IT has built up and also that the Institute of Technology in Trinity has built up. Um, and it will be far exceeding the Dublin uh, Technological uh, University, which will always be kind of down around um, 13 or 14 on the list. But the, the Munster Technological University will be around kind of um, seven, eight, nine on the list. You know, so um, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it is going to be a very positive move for the region, and that will give the region two very strong um, universities. Yeah, in one city, which is really good for options for third level. Uh, but f- let's go into revealing, I suppose, at this stage, the university of the year and, and who got what uh, regarding what is due to come out on Sunday. And the Sunday yep. Times University of the Year, I'll let you reveal who this is. Yeah, so we, we, as well as the league table, which will come out on Sunday, we also give an award every year for kind of the, 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 the outstanding performance, I suppose, in the year of a university. So they're not necessarily one, the number one ranked university, if you understand, they're, they're, they're the one that kind of the judges have decided from the material that we've assessed that they, that they have kind of improved their performance or they have kind of you know shown excellence within the year. So it's Dublin City University gets that award this year. Uh, and one of the reasons it gets it is that um, it had the highest number of students graduating with a top degree. So it had 78% of its students had a first or two one. And in addition to that, it had a very good response to the, the COVID pandemic in the first lockdown. Um, it did a lot of very good things in terms of the, the student experience. And it was very quick off the mark on the online learning. And quick off, it was the first out of the blocks to offer kind of student um to transform a lot of a student accommodation from being kind of where you have to book it from the semester to where you can just book it for the night sort of for students when they had transitioned from having to be on campus all the time to just having to be on campus maybe one day a week to do the practicals. Um, and in addition to that, you know, it had done things like um, developing the, the goggles and face coverings using this 3D technology and had submitted a research and innovation hub to assist uh, the state in terms of its response to the pandemic. So there was a whole lot of factors like that that led to it. Um, winning the award this year. Um, well, that's good, and it's, they've done a lot over the last year. Or so, considering what has yeah. happened uh, since March, and while we mention things going online and technology, uh, the southeast, uh, this is where this went to. Yeah, so the Waterford Institute of Technology um, got a award for Institute of Technology of the Year. And again, you know, it's in the same position as Cork Institute of Technology. So uh, as and from, it's merging with the um, Institute of Technology in Carlo, and uh, they will be forming a, a technological university of the southeast. And again, you know, uh, judging by our modelling, you know, the, the, the one that's kind of based between Cork and Kerry will, will be ahead of that significantly in the league tables in the future. Um, you know, certainly for the next um, three to four years, because it takes that kind of amount of time for the metrics to, to change. You know, when 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 you have a merger, um, so you know it's a positive news there. I mean, Waterford has has an incredible record over the last uh, fifty years um, of the Institute of Technology and how it has developed and so forth. It has one of the biggest outreach programs in the in in the country in terms of. Um, industry connections um, and you know it has very specialist labs that have really helped develop the the pharma sector in that area and also the the mobile uh, sector as well uh, in addition to that then it brought in special provision you know particularly during the the, the pandemic uh, for students and outreach and again specialist hubs that it set up and so forth again a problem is 
broadband connectivity uh, in parts of the southeast where students just couldn't go online because they just hadn't got a resilient enough connection, but have managed to set up hubs for them and so forth. So again, a student kind of centred approach there. Um, it had that it was rewarded for that, but plus as well as say the the, the very strong performance then um, over the last year as well. Yeah, I like the way that they have done that for students. We had a lot of calls here from people who were worried they don't have access to broadband or high quality broadband. So it's great to hear that universities and the ITs are doing that, that they're creating hubs for students because at least it's a stress column for a student and you're in that situation. You're stressing out when you're not at the college. So it's great that they're doing something like yeah. this going forward. You know, it's been a very, very difficult time for the, the, the picky, you know, people of, of, of that age, you know, because they've, they've had a very disrupted second and end of the second level career and then uh, you know a very disrupted time then going into third level they haven't had the usual university experience and so forth so it is a difficulty for mental health as well but in addition to that obviously there's the technical problems as well and you know just a lot of them won't have the laptops and they, they won't have the, that the technology that you need so there has been a number of, of, of the institutes of technology and the universities have kind of stepped up to the mark there and they have tried to provide laptops and so forth but it's still very patchy and there is still a number of students across the country who are you know they're, they're trying to tune into lectures on their mobile phones and they're trying to use 5G connections and, and 4G connections and so forth and you know it's not optimum and so it's not that it's a panacea for the future and like that you know there has to be that kind of investment to help the students Yeah yeah, yeah very true uh, Colin we could be here all day speaking about what's in this supplement that is uh, really well done so well done to you for, for working on this over the last number of months and if people want to find out more information on this they can pick up a copy of the Sunday Times this weekend with that university guide it's within the Sunday Times the Sunday Times Good University Guide for 2021 it's a special 16 page supplement and it's free with the Sunday Times this Sunday and also if you're a subscriber uh, to the Times or the Sunday Times you'll get more details and extended institutional profiles at the sundaytimes.ie forward slash Good University Guide Colm uh, thanks for joining us this afternoon Many thanks, my pleasure. Thank you. Colin Murphy there, author of that particular report and what you'll find this weekend for the publication within the Sunday Times. 1850-333-103. Our lines are open and you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Back to the issue of fireworks and people are annoyed that fireworks still going off and will be uh, for this weekend we reckon and that's why we were speaking to Councillor Ian Doyle earlier appealing to people just to behave and basically stop scaring people at the weekend there's enough going on uh, but on them being illegal Tim in Bandon says fireworks are illegal in this country so how are they getting in asks Tim well Jude has texted in as well and she says many fireworks as far as she is aware are being brought down from Northern Ireland and that's how they're getting into uh, parts of Cork and other areas here while Margaret in Crookstown says those young should be given a broom and made to sweep up the leaves in old people's gardens and by the time they are finished doing this they will be too tired to cause any trouble. More of your calls and comments on the way. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie Cove GAA, they continue their online Zoom bingo. It's on every Sunday at 8 o'clock. You can check out their Facebook page for more details or just go to the Cork Diary section of the C103 website at c103.ie. And due to the continued restrictions of the annual November Mass for deceased members and friends of Middleton CBS PPU, that will not go ahead this year. Instead, the very Reverend Dean Ned Gould will offer 10am Mass in the Paris Church for the deceased members and 
Friends of Middleton CBS PPU on this coming Sunday the Mass is available on the Parish TV service in Middleton Record today on C103 Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 086 2103 103 And earlier we were speaking about the Green Shield stamps people remembering those because at the start of the week we did mention old appliances in people's homes and uh, one person referred to buying an appliance on the Green Shield stamps booklet and a lot of people it brought it back to them about what they got themselves over the years a bit of nostalgia and here's more from Mary in Donrell who says there's a willow pattern tea set Kate Sullivan in Donrell has a willow pattern tea set it must be nearly 50 years old she collected them with those coupons it's absolutely beautiful uh, says Mary in Donrell while Anne says we got the stamps in the garage when we got petrol and mine was what I bought for my stamps was a handheld food mixer it's 46 years old since May and still going strong uh, but those stamps we got was from the garage for the Green Shield stamps and a lot of people remembering uh, getting the stamps collecting them and affixing them to the actual book and then sending everything off to get whatever they wanted uh, the people were saying they used to collect the items from a store in Washington Street in the city uh, so thank you for all your memories on the Green Shield stamps on the issue of mass and this is going back to Father Garoge uh, who was speaking yesterday and this is relation to what he thinks about the current restrictions for the Grode Walsh in the parish of Ballymac Elliot and Kerry it's between Castle Islands and Tralee uh, Michael O'Sullivan in Castle Tamber says Father Walsh is only saying what many more people are saying it's a sad day in Ireland when a priest is not allowed to go in and say Mass in it especially when it is open for the public to go in and pray with no number of restrictions says Michael uh, while Mary says I watch Mass from Knox Shrine every day uh, it's such a lovely Mass so uplifting and having it in the peace of your own home with no distractions is nice she she says that people are on about mass. She would encourage people to do that or watch it in the evenings, uh, says Mary, keeping everybody safe. Another Mary says, as you're talking about mass, not everybody has the technology uh, that you are talking about regarding computers and live streaming. We are lucky to get mass on TV. So Mary can see where that priest was coming from with what he said yesterday. Uh, he was comparing the current restrictions to what the Black and Tans did a number of years ago because uh, a presbytery in Ballymacadish was burnt down and that's when worshipping was stopped there and he said it's been stopped again by COVID-19 and he was comparing everything was happening now to what happened there 100 years ago. On the issue of, issue of teachers and the ASDI voting for industrial action, John says, John and Mallow says if teachers don't want to work then put them on the dole. John used to be a teacher. He can't see what the fuss is about at the moment. Yes people are saying there is issues but John can't see what the issues are because he used to be a teacher. While Monica's also used to be a teacher she can totally understand where teachers are coming from and the classroom sizes is an issue going on for over 10 years at this stage but she says to, for the ASDI uh, to come up publicly and say that they have voted for industrial action given so many people have lost their jobs and given that teachers even though they were working from home were still paid in full and weren't on PUP payments like so many people who were let go from companies uh, is just it's the wrong time to do this and their timing is wrong Monica says as a former teacher I can see where they're coming from but I can also see the public's point of view on this especially those who were struggling with their businesses and people who have lost their jobs Uh, Monica saying I can understand the anger from the public while Tim 
in Yall says in my opinion the general public are fed up with teachers they're the only profession in receipt of pay and don't work for one reason or another those of us that have to work do our best and we get on with it the most vulnerable workers in this country are those working in hospitals nursing homes and retail workers if these people go on strike go on strike even, we would literally die. Now, the sooner this government stand up to this group of dictators, says Tim, the better. Let them go out of work and rest assured they would be out for work, they wouldn't be out for work long if they had no pay. Not like previously when they were in receipt of pay. That is Tim's comments there from y'all on text to 0862103103. And a query here from a person who is asking, is it okay to deliver timber to an elderly person uh, during all of this? Uh, well, if it's, again, if it's an essential journey and it's necessary, and they have said that people working in uh, in homes and finishing off work, uh, that's essential, you know, you can do that. But again, it's up to the person that you want to deliver the timber to. I don't know the full situation here. If the person doesn't get timber, it doesn't mean they can't have a warm home. Uh, so if that is the case, I would say yes, given, you know, precautions that you wear a mask and that you go in and you, you sanitise because it's it's the person you were delivering to you're saying an elderly person uh, you're delivering the timber to I would be more concerned about uh, and that goes for anything even prior to Covid anything like, like this that is spreadable so just you know have the face mask on be sanitised and you can't pass on anything to that person uh, and limit your time if you have to go through the house uh, which is hard with timber but if you, if you can go around the house and drop it off that way without going into the house if it's essentially yeah but it can be done um, but again, you know, a personal responsibility. And is that person okay then with you calling as well? And all of it is up to your people's personal responsibility. But it is a, they have made allowances for that with essential journeys. If that person is, is going to be freezing cold at night, then yeah, it is an essential journey. But, but take precautions when you're doing that. And Neil in Lumberstown regarding the roundabout, the Annabelle roundabout with the red letters that have gone missing but are going to be put back before Christmas. Uh, Neil says that the red letters should be scrapped altogether and the bull and horse rider be put back. Far more elegant, says Neil in Lumberstown. While Mary says I'm glad the red letters are gone, please but the horse's back, it's awful looking at all those weeds. Well, the letters are only gone on one side of the roundabout as you approach from Cork. But on the horse and rider, uh, they're coming back. They'll be back on the Cork Road as you travel out of Mallow uh, towards Cork. They'll be there. So, uh, thank you for your calls and comments regarding those issues this morning. Get Up and Go Diaries. We still have more of those to give away. If you would like to get an Irish diary or a travel journal journal even, uh, we're giving those away now. They both come with wall planners for 2021. Get Up and Go Diaries. They show positivity. A lot of positive uh, comments in them. A lot of positive quotes as well. If you would like those, text your name and address where you are right now to 0862 103 103. We'll give those away before the end of the show. Both the Irish diary and the travel journey both come with wall planners. And and you can join Trevor Welch on C103.ie this Saturday for the Premier League Live, exclusively online, powered by Talk Sport. This Saturday, it's Sheffield United taking on Man City at 12.30, Burnley and Chelsea at 3, and Liverpool taking on West Ham at 5.30. The Premier League Live online, listen every Saturday by downloading the C103 app or go to C103.ie. And as Cork will name their team tonight for tomorrow's Munster Senior Hurling Championship semi-final clash with Waterford, live coverage of Cork and Waterford tomorrow afternoon on Cork Sports Saturday here at C103 with throw-in at 3.30. Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. 
And yesterday we were chatting or we heard from a guy in Canturk looking to meet a single woman. He was asking for ideas and how in these times you can meet people and date with people. And I've got a number of texts this morning asking about that man. And we have put people in touch with him and we have given him ideas yesterday of how he can go about meeting someone. We gave him various ideas from listeners yesterday. But uh, for those who were texting in this morning asking about his age, and there's one particular group on WhatsApp who keep texting. They're called the Girls in Mallow who want to know his age for some of their friends. He's in his 50s, all right? So that man in Kenturk looking to meet someone is in his 50s. So hopefully uh, that um, will help those girls in Mallow who were on WhatsApp a while ago to us. Now, let's go to the movies. Uh, Mark Malone joins us as usual on a Friday afternoon. Afternoon, Mark. Hi, John Paul. How are you? I'm good. How are you, sir? I'm fine. Now, we're looking at streaming. Everything has gone streaming at this stage. But this movie is being advertised a lot on TV. And it's the subsequent Borat movie. A lot of talk about this. Here's the trailer, first of all, on this movie. My name is Borat. No, it's not me. Borat, come back. Why I do this? This is to promote your movie. Very nice. Have fun! No, no, please don't do that. Some silly billy put green pepper on floors. No, that's meant to be there. Uh, Killing some of the virus. You can't see the virus. No, it's still there. So it was never very PC, Mark, when the first movie was out. Had things changed years on? As you'd imagine, it hasn't. <laughs> so, yes, which could be a problem for some people, I think, uh, who may not have liked the first film. And um, if that was the case, then beware of this one. I presume you saw the first film? I did, yeah. Sorry, I'm drinking a glass like of water. It? I did watch the first one. I did. Um, and you, you're right. It, it, is, it isn't It is very PC and you have to be in a certain mind where you can think differently if people are... Because things have changed so much in the last... I mean, what, what year was the last Borat movie released in? I think it was about was it 13 years ago, I think. I think it is. It's well over 10 years ago. So, I mean, things have changed so much in that time in terms of what he is doing and his type of comedy. And we've heard from comedians over the years, as you know, Mark, who have to change everything they prepare because of how people are, are thinking differently than we would have 13 years ago. So, yeah, I did enjoy it. It is funny. You have to have an open mind. But I think you are right. I think a lot of people may have issues this time around with it. Not necessarily. I think the I think the thing is that um, the targets that he goes after are still out there. Yeah, well, that's and, that, that's the uh, thing. They are. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, and, and in that kind of sense, nothing has kind of changed. And I mean, it's something he's got to be very, very careful about because yes, I mean, he does go after conservative groups. He does go after kind of right wing groups. He goes after the NRA. He goes after the gun lobby, and he goes after kind of Nazis. They're still there. They're still out there, and so they're very much still his targets. You got to be very careful, though. I think because you know, with this kind of satire, if you overstep the mark, which he does on occasions, even for me, um, then you know it can it can kind of become kind of cruel almost. I mean, the thing is that uh, in the film, he befriends two of these men, these two southern gentlemen, and uh, who have very right-wing views. They're Trump supporters. They believe in all the conspiracy theories about the Clintons and so on. But actually, they bring him to his house and look after him, thinking that he is this man from Kazakhstan, who isn't particularly very, very, very intelligent. And in fact, he, they could have been two very easy targets for him to go after. But in fact, he doesn't, because even though they got very right-wing views, they actually come across as being rather, rather sweet. And I think the thing is that he actually likes these gentlemen. I mean, he comes across in the film, of course, as somebody from Kazakhstan who knows nothing about technology, he knows nothing about phones. But when he was staying with these two men in their house, uh, at night, of course, he would bring out his laptop, he would bring out his phone and start working. And one evening he said that they knocked on his door. He had to squirrel everything away 
opened the door and it was about two o'clock in the morning. They were asking, was he okay? Was he fine? Because, you know, did he need anything? Did he want anything? So he could very easily have gone after those two, but he actually doesn't because I think underneath it all, and deep down, I think he actually ended up kind of liking these two gentlemen, even if they do have kind of right-wing views. And that's the thing about this film. And of course, uh, there are times when he does overstep the mark, especially when he goes after kind of religious kind of conservative kind of groups. And uh, and that's where the kind of you could kind of think, oh, is he just going a little bit kind of too far? And he does. I mean, there are some scenes in this film which, like the first film, you do cringe. You, it's difficult to watch on screen. And um, in the film, he's uh, traveling America with his daughter. And his daughter here is played by an, an extraordinary actress by the name of uh, Maria Bakalova, who he refers to as his non-son. Uh, because women aren't particularly well treated in his country, and in fact, at the start of the film, when we meet, when we meet his family, all the boys live in the house, but she lives in a cage at the back. And uh, in her mind, that's how she lives, and that's how people and the women in her his, his country leave, uh, live. When she comes to America, she realizes that that's actually not the case, and that in fact, uh, women are considered equal there. At one stage, she goes, she points out to. Um, Flash Baron Cohen, that look, there's a woman driving a car. And he said, no, that dog, the bounty hunter. And um, and so she begins to realize that, in fact, uh, you know, women don't live in cages in the United States. And she begins to, to, to change as well, as does his relationship with her. And that's at the core of this film. The core of this film is this relationship between a father and his daughter. And that works very well. And that is incredibly sweet. Whilst at the same time, of course, he is going after con- conservative America. Um, <laughs> for example, what happens in the past... The previous 13 years he's been in jail and because of his embarrassment of the, the previous film. But the premier decides to send him to the United States in reparation for his misbehavior by sending a present to Donald Trump in the form of Johnny the Monkey, who is Kazakhstan's uh, famous por- most famous porn star. He's actually a monkey, by the way. And uh, when he brings him to the States, he realizes that, in fact, his daughter has stowed away in the crate and has eaten the monkey. So he then decides, well, okay, he will offer his daughter to the American government uh, in reparation for uh, that instead of the monkey. And so in doing so, he decides, well, he probably won't get to Donald Trump, but instead he kind of targets people like Mike Pence, and he targets famously, as we've heard in the last few weeks, people like uh, Rudy Giuliani. So there are times when it really, really works. Obviously, he's got possibly hundreds upon hundreds of hours of footage, which he then has got to cut up to make something kind of, kind of make it to a kind of coherent movie. And in fact, if you do look at the longer trailers, there's a lot of stuff in the trailers that isn't in the movie, which is a bit of a shame. Um, but for me, it does work. There are times when it's unwatchable, of course. There are times when I was embarrassed and uncomfortable, but that's what these films are, are all about. Okay, and a lot of talk about this. Uh, where is it available for streaming, Mark? Um, I've got it on Amazon Prime, but I have Amazon Prime, so I was able to watch it for free on that. But uh, um, if you want to watch it, you'll have to sign up. Um, what's interesting, actually, is, it, is it, this film obviously should have gone to um, cinemas, but mm. there are streaming services. The streaming services like uh, Amazon and Amazon Prime and Netflix, um, um, Apple Plus, I mean, they are looking at these movies now. And in fact, uh, Amazon Prime offered the makers of all right, $120 million for it to be on their streaming service. And when you consider the film, possibly worldwide would have made about 80 million. That's a nice profit. So they said yes. And in fact, I believe this past few weeks as well, um, they're also eyeing up the new Bond movie. And I think Netflix offered um, Barbara Broccoli 300 million to have it on their streaming service. This is the kind of money that these streaming services have. Uh, She in turn said, no, I want 600 million. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Well, so things are changing when it comes to how we watch our films, uh, especially with the likes of the two big players, I suppose, Netflix and Amazon Prime. Anyhow, for Borat, out of 10. 
I'll give it nine. Excellent. Okay, so one to watch uh, on Amazon Prime. Nine out of ten for Boris. And Only if you like the first movie. Well, that's the thing. Be very careful. Bear yeah. in mind that it, if you are aware of the first movie, uh, bear in mind it's, it's, it's similar when it comes to humour and stories. And Toys of Terror. Uh, this is another one. Is this, when I mention terror, Halloween related or not? It's actually set in Christmas, but uh, obviously it's been released uh, at this time uh, deliberately. Um, I wasn't going to do this, but Bernie did ask me uh, the other day. She said, are you going to do a scary movie for Halloween? And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, (laughs) So I found this one. This has just been released in the the past week or so. Again, it's on Amazon Prime. This one you'll have to pay for, um, which I had to do. Um, It's a very, very odd kind of film. Obviously, it doesn't really have a particularly big big budget. I'll explain why they decided, obviously, to do what they did in a couple of seconds. But basically, it's, a, it's a kind of an old trope. It's an old story where a family decides to, for Christmas, go to a, a house out in the middle of nowhere um, and uh, to spend Christmas time. The teenager, of course, doesn't want to be there. The two younger kids, the two kind of cute younger kids kind of think it's kind of an adventure and they're fine with it. There's the two parents and their nanny. And they decide to spend uh, Christmas time in this kind of um, what was an old children's home. And it's very spooky and it's very gothic looking. And, of course, because they're out in the middle of nowhere, they don't have uh, any mobile phone coverage and they don't have any Wi-Fi. Of course, the mobile phone has kind of ruined modern movies in the sense that, you know, if you're stuck out in the middle of nowhere nowadays, what you do, you pull out your phone and you go, look, you know, please come and help me. Uh, so they have to try and kind of manipulate the stories in some way so that they don't have phones and they don't have um, uh, any Wi-Fi service. So if they're out in the middle of nowhere, they're on their own as they are in this house. And this house, as I say, was a, was it was an old children's home. So whilst they're in the house, which is very spooky and very gothic uh, and very creepy, uh, they begin to find toys littered around the house. And of course, they said, look, that's fine. You know, it was a children's home, so there was bound to be toys around. But the toys begin to appear and disappear. And we then discover, of course, that the toys do come alive. And they're not pretty, and they're not particularly very, very nice. Now, there's an interesting thing about the toys, and I don't know why they decided to do it, but what they decided to do with the toys, they decided not to CGI the toys, but in fact to use stop motion. And I don't know if they did it because of budgetary reasons. Um, If they decided to do it deliberately, to kind of give it a kind of cheesy kind of feel to it, like Gremlins or something, then I would applaud it. But if they decided that, that to, to stop motion because they didn't have very much money because it was low budget, then it doesn't really quite work because unfortunately the standard of the stop motion, it isn't Wallace and Gromit. It's not kind of very good. In fact, it's kind of cheesy 70s kind of stop motion stuff, uh, and which doesn't really, really quite work. And that's a bit of a shame because there are times when this is really, really creepy. I mean, there were times when the hair stood up in the back of my neck. There were times, you know, when figures appear in the background and it's very, very well done. And then, unfortunately, we get these kind of awful stop motion kind of toys. And that doesn't work. And that's a bit of a shame, unless they were going for that, as I say, a kind of a lighthearted kind of cheesy yeah. kind of goosebumps type of thing. But I don't think they were because... I don't know who the film, who's going to really want to, who the target of the film is, because it, it's too scary for younger children, and yet kind of hardline horror fans won't like it. So maybe it's for people like me in the middle who doesn't particularly like horror movies and who thought, you know, parts of this were, were, were very entertaining and silly and childish and scary. And it, But it's a mix of everything, but unfortunately it becomes unbalanced because of that, because you've got the really good and the really poor, and I think that's a bit of a shame. Yeah, and usually the scary toys always work in a movie because you, you, they just have that look whereby they can turn and even if they're not that scary looking in the right scene, they can become very, very scary and you've seen that a lot of horrors in the past. Anyhow, Mark, this is on Amazon Prime as, Prime as well, uh, out of 10? 
Um, I'll give it six. It's not, hmm. it's not awful. It's not bad, yeah, that's not, okay. It's not great either, but um, yeah, it's not for younger kids. So I couldn't find a rating, so I don't know what the rating is because it hasn't been rated. But I presume it's about 12, 12 13s maybe. I think that's probably about right. That's good. Okay, well, two good ratings there, Mark. Uh, thank you for that, and we'll chat to you next week. Uh, six out of ten for Tides of Terror and Borat, nine out of ten both. You can catch on Amazon Prime. And that's nearly it for our, us for this week. Uh, thank you to all of you who text in for the diaries and the wall planners, the get up and go positive vibe ones. Uh, well done, Sheila O'Sullivan, Bally Griffin, Michael Casey in Mitchellstown, Sharon Russell in Drimmer League, and Pat Hobbs in Waterfall. They're making their way to you. And my thanks to Bernie and Sadie who worked on the show all week. Patricia Messenger is back with you on Monday morning from 10 a.m. with Cork Today. And I'll chat to you on Sunday morning from 10 a.m. on the Irish Sunday across North and East Cork and Cork City while John Green is on the Irish Sunday in West Cork. So until then, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy Halloween. Stay safe across Halloween. I'm John Paul McNamara. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.